Welcome to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Hello, Village, and welcome to the Mom Village. So we're so excited that you're tuning in with us. We are doing marriage conversations, and I'm here with Christian Ramos, Jimmy Scroggins, Kristen, Kira, and Eric. And we're all together here ready to answer more questions. But we have an icebreaker. So are you ready for this icebreaker? Share your favorite dad joke. But this is for the dads. So dads, the stage is yours. Who wants to go first? Eric, Eric looks like he no, wants I, to go I, first. No, I, gotta think, I, gotta think. I got this, guys. Go ahead, go ahead. Bring it. <laughs> oh, All right. Lord. I've been preparing for this one. No, my favorite dad joke is um, how many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? Ten tickles. Oh, oh yeah. Tentacles, wow. tentacles. Please laugh. Please laugh. Right, Thank you. Okay. Can you beat it? Can you beat it? Yeah. What's the name of the most condescending bear in the world? A pan, duh. <laughs> what? Please laugh. I please. Wow. I will, I, will, I will spare the village. I don't actually have a dad joke. Okay, he doesn't have a dad joke, but what he does is his antics are his joke. Yes. All the time. I like am he the is antic. A, I am sorry the antic to say this. He is a straight fool in his house. I am. Mom. I am. I love it. 24 love hours a day, Seven days a week. A day. Yeah, no, and the seriously. kids are getting to the point where they're like, "Okay, okay, enough, enough. Enough. Yeah. okay just they're yeah. like, you are not funny.' So yeah, take it while you can while your kids are little. Yeah. They'll think everything you say is funny. Yeah. I still think you're funny, Eric. Thank you. <laughs> yes. thank you. Kids don't even know. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so we got more questions for from our listeners. So let's jump right in, Kristen or Kira. Which one? Which one has? Okay, you know, first? let's ask the first question. Okay, how do you and your spouse navigate the relationship when you have different? passions in ministry hmm <laughs> we don't the... have different passions in ministry do we can y'all speak to that well i i think i think let me see if i can reframe the question if i had to reframe the question it would be how does the same ministry manifest itself like for instance the way god uses me and has used me in the past is through preaching and teaching whereas with kira First and foremost, she's always felt like her first ministry was in the home oh, with yeah. the children. And, mm-hmm. and But then she has this heart for women. So I think it may, if the question is, how do we complement each other when our the way we manifest our gift is different? I'll give you an example for me when I would, you know, more active in ministry, pre- preaching, preparing on weekends. You know, if Kieran knew I had to be, and I'm bivocational, so if I had to be pretty out of pocket on a Saturday evening because usually Saturday mornings was with kids, with the kids, all Mm -hmm. the activities. If I'm out of pocket a great deal on Saturday evenings, then Kira knew she was going to pull extra weight and supporting. And I'll even use the mom village now that Kira is more involved in the things that she gets to do. Well, there's really not an example there because I still don't do much, but I mean, (laughs) if there was something you needed me to do, I would be there to do it. You do it all the time. All the time. Yes, like you're here right now. I'm here here right right. now. Supporting your mom. So I I don't know if the question really is how do we complement each other, 
when the way our gifts manifest or the way our ministries manifest. And I think too, just knowing what your gift is, you know, my gift is not preaching and teaching, you know, at a certain season in, in ministry, my gift was, as Eric said, to support him and to make sure the kids were, you know, where they need to be and taken care of. And, you know, now that our kids are older, I can step out and do some things that I've always probably wanted to do. And one being, you know, the mom village and, you know, even when I began to serve in kids ministry here at Family Church. So, you know, those are things I could not do when we had littles. And and may, maybe I'll just help too. Like, I, I'm not sure where this question is coming from, but if it's coming from maybe it, what if like the wife has something that she's super passionate about and the husband's not, or the husband's something he's super passionate about and the wife's not. I mean, I don't think we always have to be doing exactly the same mm-hmm. thing. Y'all just talked about that, but maybe cheering for one another. Mm-hmm. However... I will say, you know, if it is something that requires both of you, we got to be on the same page as husband and wife, mom and dad. And if there's some type of, you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes, ministry opportunity, and it's causing a wedge between husband and wife, I think we need to step back from that and think, Mm -hmm. is that, is that really from the Lord? And you know, if you're if you're constantly dragging your spouse along, I mean, we we may need to step back because we know that our biggest ministry is is home and family. And so, if there's things that's causing a wedge between that, we really need to get on the same page and figure that out. Babe, yeah, that's really that's really great. I, I would say that alongside of that, I think one of the biggest blessings in my life is seeing my wife do ministry. Like, I just rejoice in that. Um, And, uh, you know, I get to be in ministry, but seeing her do ministry, I think, brings just a completely different type of fulfillment to my heart. So I'm, as a husband, I want to encourage anything that's healthy ministry for our marriage. I want to encourage it forward as much as possible. And and I think this is kind of the foundation of marriage, period, right? You always want to, you want to give 100% to your, to your spouse. You want to encourage them and the things that they're passionate about. And, uh, and and you just kind of give of yourself, and they do the same for you. And, and it's like Kira was saying, like knowing your gifts. Like my husband does worship. I do not sing at all like him whatsoever. I, I'm probably singing in the kitchen, but it's not very She did audition one time for the worship team and didn't make it. <laughs> On purpose. I was in charge. On purpose, yes. He said no. He said no. Um, but I know my gifts, so I support him full on. Yeah, I did it on purpose. Um, I support him full on, but it's... It's like Kristen was saying, if, if it's something that is just um, making tension in your marriage, you know, your first ministry is your marriage. So you might have to step back a little from that. But on that note, so somebody asked us a really good question. It says, you guys are three very multicultural couples. What is something from each of your culture that is still hard to navigate in today's society and, and the church? If there's any, if there's any. Oh, go ahead, ahead, Christian Ramos. Well, I would say um, part of, you know, when you leave a country, I I know we're we're part of the United States. We grew up in Puerto Rico. We're still, we're part of the United States, but our culture is very different over there. So we speak Spanish over there. Uh, The culture is incredibly different. And so when you leave a place like that, you always feel like a part of you is missing. And so for the rest of your life, you, you're in a, you're in, in a different place you feel like there's a part of you that's missing. So 
part of what you're doing as a parent is that trying to mean you love the new place. No, I yeah. love I love being yeah, here, and you I love I, I love uh, I mean I, I love living here, and and we were in the United States there, but we, yeah. we loved it there. But you just not being home, you miss that. And part of what you want to do is get your kids to understand that, and maybe recapture some of those elements that we have lost, like the language, right? So at home, we only speak Spanish, mm-hmm. and we try our very best to teach our children. Spanish, we will hope that they will be able to teach it to their kids, you know, but we know that after the second generation kind of gets lost. So, you know, we we strive to teach them the language. And so in a lot of the cultural aspects of of how we grew up, Mm -hmm. and that might be, you know, anything from the way that we celebrate some holidays to the way that we do things together at home, uh, you know, for family parties or quinceañera rather than sweet 16s or <laughs> yeah. things like that. So we're always trying to recapture a lot, something that we feel we lost mm-hmm. by leaving what used to be our hometown or behind. So I don't know. Did, didn't no, you feel that a little I, bit? I, I agreed. And it's, we try to teach them in a, in a loving way, you know, that is the way we grew up and is the way we are as, you know, Latinos and everything, but not... And not teaching them in a way that is like their identity, because that's not their identity. Christ is their identity. And and also that doesn't define you either. Nowadays, the world can mix it very crazy. And then the fact that you speak two languages, so you have this background, it's a blessing, you know, not only because it will be a blessing later on in a professional way, but because it's a blessing because your family is from this country and everything, but that doesn't define you. So there's a, there's a, I feel like there's a level or there's a line between, you know, when you are very multicultural and you're trying to teach your kids, you know, this is the way your parents grew up and your family grew up, but you don't have to go to battle. You know, you don't have to sacrifice a lot of things. You know, this is just because your parents are like this and we want to teach you in a loving way, if that kind of makes sense. How about you, the Kellys? Well, well, you know, one thing I was sitting here and I was thinking, and I think I've mentioned this to Eric just over the years, just being at family church and you know, I don't know if anyone recognizes that we're black. <laughs> <laughs> really? You not Say tan? You not tan? So just kind of in the minority. But one thing that I have um, just talked about a lot is that I think that we've been given such an opportunity being a family of color um, and in the minority that we can, I think, educate people in a different way than most people get the opportunity to. And jokingly, this is just a side note, like, I think I've taught, like, a lot of the women in our church about my hair and about <laughs> black women's hair or yes. not hair or the hair that we buy hair or and all that good stuff. But, um, but seriously, I think that it has opened just the doors to, and I think I am pretty much an open book when it comes to our culture. And I'm so just fortunate that I've had the opportunity to impart just some of... Um, just what it what it feels like or what it is to be black and yeah. to have other parents come and ask me certain things of how they can educate their children. So I don't take it as like a negative, but just a, a, a grand opportunity that we've been given just in the position that we're in to be able to educate and to be able to walk side by side and live, you know, side by side together and just allow people to to who may not ever get that opportunity to just have friends that don't look like you. And you just said and it's, such, experience it's such a blessing because we're in a very multicultural church, yeah. very multicultural community. Mm-hmm. It might seem different in other states and other places, mm-hmm. but it is a blessing that we can do that, that here. We get that opportunity. Yeah. I would just say uh, from our perspective, so 
we're part of kind of this church has been historically a white church and we're part of the majority culture in our church. The majority culture is English speaking white. Although relative to a lot of other churches, we do have a lot of people from a lot of different places, countries, backgrounds in our church. And what we've tried to do, what we're learning, and some of the people we're learning from is you. I mean, the Kellys and the Ramoses are big in our lives and in our hearts and in our homes because we actually want to lean into that. And so, you know, one of the, I don't want to get all biblical, but one of the things that we're learning, even studying the book of Acts as a church family right now, is that you have the same kind of majority culture, minority culture friction going on in the first century in those churches as we do in our church here at Family Church, as we do in churches around the country. And some of the solutions that the Holy Spirit led those churches to come up with are the right solutions, like become multicultural in your decision-making matrix. So that even if you're going to, if you have a majority culture, minority culture dynamic, how do we make sure that we are including people from various perspectives in our highest level of decision making as a church? That's the model that you see in particularly Acts chapter six for these kinds of things. And I think Kristen and I see it as a privilege and an advantage for our children to grow up with people in our home, being in other people's homes that don't all look exactly like us or have a background like us or a a Southern accent like we do. And I don't know, I just think it's been a joy for us to get to learn some things I wouldn't have learned any other way than just getting enmeshed in lives of people that aren't just English speaking, Anglo, Southern, you know, rednecks like us. I mean, it just makes our lives richer and frankly makes us more sensitive to concerns that people have in our society and to the concerns that we're going to have to grapple with if we're going to get the gospel to the world. Well, we're happy that at least we can encourage other people that um, we don't only make tacos. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Can can I say something? It's funny because one of the things that my wife and I always struggle with, and this is crazy, but like the fact that we don't really bring our kids into the service with us. Like, you know how in this, like in the Spanish congregations, like kids are everywhere. Those kids yeah. are going bananas. They're right? everywhere, man. <laughs> well, I, we grew up like that. Mm-hmm. Like I, at church, you would always go with your parents. So like oh, yeah. even one of the things that we don't do because, you know, we're navigating that. And for us, it's kind of like, man, I wish our kids could be in here. But like every Hispanic family want to have their kids in the, in the church service. <laughs> That's normal. That's order for us. <laughs> That's order. Hey, listen, I remember running around church like a crazy man, <laughs> never paying attention to anything that happened. Like, that was the Holy Spirit on that kid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we have more questions, Kristen. Okay, so let's see. Let's just let's just go with how to manage tech time. How how do we manage tech time? Excuse um, me, I'm talking on my phone for a second. Yeah, <laughs> listen to the the, the previous episode. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy's about to start laughing at something on Twitter. I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> Tech time. But she doesn't have a pet peeve there. No, no. <laughs> All good. Go listen to part one so you understand. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, we'll start with the young ones. Okay, so, let's do. Yeah, for us, we and you do this really well. Jeez Marie, what she does is that she usually tries to get them to do something productive mm-hmm. before they get into their video games or whatever. So the other day, I'm outside cleaning some things, and I look through the sliding glass door, and I see my son, my oldest, folding his clothes. 
and uh, and he has this face like he's hating what he's doing, <laughs> but it, he wanted to play a video games for a little bit. Well, he had to do something productive, so mm-hmm. you got to fold all your clothes and my clothes, and then, <laughs> and, and then be able to, uh, then he would I'm be able to prepare him from his future wife. Yeah, and then right. also she would, sometimes what we do is, hey, if you really want to play this video game or you really want to play with this little tech thing, you need to read a chapter in a book. Yeah. So here are the books that we have. Pick one, read one. And they read them, and then we ask them questions about it. And yeah, it's not like I'm going to read them really quick, and I close the chapter. I'm like, wait, you're going to get questions. <laughs> you have to answer the questions, buddy. And then obviously, <laughs> because they're kids and they're they're they're, they're young, we can put time limits on yeah. it. So, you know, they can play for an hour, and during the summer, they can play for two hours in a day, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a lot for them. And so that's how we kind of handle those things. Yeah, no, we exactly the same what you, what you did. But I love that. We did this at the beginning, just trying to give them boundaries and teach yeah. them, you know, discipline. And, and it has become actually something really healthy that we didn't know unconsciously because one of the books that my son is reading right now, it's a theological book. They, it was it was a gift. And um, it has created great conversations. What was the last conversation? It was a, about Adam and Eve. Yeah, it was about sin. It was it was the the book is exploring the doctrine of sin, and so uh, it's a narrative for kids. It's called the uh, emblems of the of the emblems of the infinite king. Emblems of the infinite king, wow. and it's a uh, okay. it's a narrative, and it kind of goes through the different doctrines from the Bible. And the doctrine so, of sin was what he was talking yeah. about, like. Hey, Dad, so, you know, Adam messed up, but it wasn't, you know, just because Eve ate the fruit, it wasn't enough. Adam had to eat. And so he's talking through all these things with uh, with me, and uh, he yeah, just loves it. Unconsciously has created, like, good conversations and helping us actually have those conversations. Because on the, on the day-to-day, sometimes it just keep going and you forget about having, you know, gospel conversations not only with people, but with your own kids. I will say, though, that we, we still feel the tension of our kids pushing to have more More time time with tech. And so we don't always succeed at doing this right. And we actually see our oldest kind of pushing the boundaries and, and, you know, trying to get away with things and lying about things sometimes. And so we have to, you know, (laughs) little (laughs) little sinner, he just, he just read about sin and he went and did it. I told you I should make him sit down there in church. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. So I think even, even from at at a young age, you're going to feel technology wanting to push itself into every aspect of your life and you're going to have to handle that that, yeah, not, that only, not only with them but with yourself too mm-hmm. but it was about kids so there you go why well, I mean, and also just to be clear to distinguish you know technology and video games i think we're talking about yeah, this awesome. obsession with like video games and social media versus technology i mean well not versus because there are some good uses of technology obviously but with the video games same thing kira we more so kira would have time and the word i was going to use is boundary Mm-hmm. giving boundaries and creating time so that that particularly our boys would understand this is when you are doing work, schoolwork or housework or other things. And then this is the time you have set aside to do video games. And then in terms of tech, social media, we just we you know, we we delayed our kids getting their phones mm-hmm. until a certain age. We did have age there. And even after getting the phone delayed until getting social media platforms. Mm-hmm. What age um, do you guys recommend? Mm-hmm. That work with <laughs> Well, I mean it, it's I always go over that. It's different for it's different people. Yeah. It, it it varies. I mean with Madison, I think she was 16, 17. I don't know, 15. 
Before yeah. she got her phone. Oh, yeah. She didn't get a phone until 15. 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but look, yeah, it depends late. on the family. If kids are out and they need communication. And you guys yeah, share before the pins of maturity as well. Yes. So, yeah, if they're yeah, proving yeah, yeah. that they're mature enough and responsible enough to, yeah. to yeah. tackle that. How about the Scroggins? Well, just to go along with what the Kellys were just saying, you know, I mean, we... Both of us are homeschool families, and so we were able to not let our kids have phones till 15, 16, whatever. And I know some moms are probably sitting here thinking, well, that's great for you, but um, my, I kids, put my kid on the bus my kids get in the morning. on a mm-hmm. bus to a public mm-hmm. school, and I'm not having them on that bus without a phone. Mm-hmm. I get that. And so mm-hmm. we're living different lives. I think the principles, though, are the same no matter what, is that you give them things later rather than sooner. And even if even if for necessity you need to get in touch with your child and you feel like they need a phone when they're a lot younger than that, that doesn't need, mean that they need to have everything that the phone yeah offers. an iPhone you can so get them a flip phone they don't <laughs> they don't need to be able to text everyone in the whole world they don't need to have social media they don't need to have internet access so you know your child can have access to you so you know where they are. Without them, you know, surfing the the web. Yeah. Yeah. The worldwide web. Yeah. I I couldn't say it without sounding like a nerd or like a dinosaur. So I just left it. (laughs) Yeah. I think y'all have all said it all. I just, I just think my basic recommendations to parents would be, I would encourage you to wait longer to give them technology, their personal devices, instead of giving it to them earlier. I'd encourage you to wait longer instead of giving them social media accounts earlier. And I encourage you to have more boundaries rather than less. I'd mm-hmm. encourage you to do what you can with monitoring of uh, different devices the best that you can. Mm-hmm. And you just said, well, you didn't really tell me anything. Yeah, I did. Whatever your instinct is, longer, mm-hmm. older, less, mm-hmm. more accountability. So whatever that means for you, the best you can. And it's all different, as Eric said. But I would just encourage you, the longer you can wait, your kids are not going to look back when they're 35 years old and go, you know, that's a bunch of baloney that you wouldn't let me have my phone when I was 13 and wait till I was 15. I mean, they're not going to care about that. So I just encourage you to be really careful with that. I mean, we've talked about it in other podcasts, but I mean, social media accounts have age restrictions. So if they have age restrictions, it's for a reason. So the fact that parents have age restriction too, it's for a main reason too. All right, so we've got one more question that I think we have time to tackle today. And this question is, how can we be strong, godly men and women in today's radical culture? Mm. So we'll keep going to the Kellys. Y'all, y'all made a mistake sitting right across <laughs> from us. You know, the first thing that came to my mind when I saw that is, you know, it's, it's as the scripture says, you know, for a man to look at himself in the mirror and turn away and then forget the manner of man that he is. That's that's us when we don't continually see ourselves in the word of God. I think the first thing we have to do is make a practice of reading and comprehending God's word, having time to read and memorize. I mean, I, I came up in my faith and discipleship in a time where memory was just, we were encouraged to memorize verses. And to this very day, the verses that I have memorized that I still recall I think the first thing is getting a good practice of Bible reading, comprehension, and memory. We do that with our kids at home. And listen, for those who are listening, I mean, anything that we say, it's not as if if you're not doing this, you know, that that's an indictment on, on parenting. It's just if you can employ any of this. Mm-hmm. One of the things we do is 
every night since our children were little. They have memory verses for the week and they still do it. Our, and Maddie's home from college and she's still, I'll, I'll ask her, do you want to come out with us? Absolutely. Each one has a memory verse for that night. And then we take turns sharing and praying as a family. The first thing I would say is developing a good cognition of the Bible, reading, comprehending. And if you can memorize verses, because how can you remember who you are in the world mm -hmm. if you don't first know who you are in the word? And he had that thing alliterated. Did you see that, Jimmy? Oh, did you, oh, did you see that? I'm just saying. Preacher mode. Preacher mode. I love it, that Pastor Eric. I haven't been on the. I haven't been in the on the on the. In the we will get you in the podium, baby. Yeah. You just did it. Yeah. You just yeah. did it. You just did it, Ramos. I, I remember my dad making me memorize Psalm one as a kid, and. Uh, I know it in Spanish, by the way, but I'm going to read it in English. Uh, I'll do just, it in Spanish. Oh, man. I'll do it in Spanish in just a little. I can't make a point. I'll let somebody... <laughs> That's fair. I've heard him do it in Spanish. Yes. It's really good. But I remember I was a little kid. My dad said, I'll get you a skateboard if you memorize this whole this whole chapter. And, uh, and it talks about this. But it's, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Notice just the emphasis on the word of God and being the lighting in the word of God. But then it says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in the season, and its leaf does not wither. And what I love about that is that a tree that's planted by the, by, by the streams of water and yields fruit in its season means that it feeds others. And so not only it's, it's a feeding from the streams of water for its own benefit, but then it's yielding fruit for others to be able to pick and eat. And my dad early on knew that me learning that was going to be an important part of being a strong Christian man. And so just to your point, Eric, that uh, understanding and, and just spending time in the Word of God is incredibly important. And at the same time, having a a family of believers that are encouraging one another to love and good deeds, right? And so being encouraged in this Christian walk, we all need a church family. We need the support of our brothers and sisters in Christ to continue this walk called the Christian life. And I think those two things really coupled together are powerful to help us navigate uh, the issues of today's culture. I really believe so. Pastor Jimmy? Um, in addition to what they said, I would just say if you want to be a godly man, godly woman, you've got to be willing to swim upstream. You've got to be willing to be different. We've got to teach our kids it's okay not to be like everybody else. You know, Jimmy, and I've been saying lately that a, a good theology leads to a good strategy, which leads to good conversations. And I think that's how we help our kids become godly men and women. They have to choose that for themselves. But as we can impart God's word to them, and we, and it's not just that, you know, we're not telling them all these things that they can't do, that we rightly portray God as both holy and loving. We can't segregate those, that he's not one or the other. He's He's all of it. But that as we, we show them that God has this great design for them, 
And, you know, that should inform our parenting strategy. And and part of that is living that out before them. And then, you know, you just have these conversations with your kids over and over Mm -hmm. and over again, pointing out God's good and perfect design for them. But we can't do that unless we know it ourselves. And so the the truth that you guys have all shared with us today about knowing God's word, believing God's word, living out God's word, that makes a difference with our kids for sure. When when I read this question, I remember uh, the first thing that came to my mind was Christian and I had the privilege when we went back to Puerto Rico to meet a friend of mine from childhood that he had had a a very drastic condition. I don't know the name in English here, but basically he became paralyzed completely like vegetable. He was a young, healthy man. And in 48 hours, he just, his nervous system is just, he became a vegetable. And there's a reason why I'm sharing this story is because we were able to go and see him and, and we journey with him throughout the whole pandemic and everything, this young man was literally dying. Nobody gave him the, the you know, hopes for him to live and everything. And then um, fast forward almost two years and we were able to go see him and I see him walking down the stairs, something Mm -hmm. that they said it was not going to be possible. And I see him and we have such great time and conversations, quality time. And, and I'm looking at him and and we have we ask him many questions, but I ask him one thing, and I and I ask him, what is that thing that you learn? That's one thing that you learn from this experience that you can share. And he knows the Lord, but he said, first thing he said, he said, um, the Lord is real. Mm-hmm. He's like, I I finally I finally lived what I believed. He's like, the Lord is real, and and my faith kept me alive. And I'm seeing this young man just sitting there, just saying that. And and he said, my life was like Job. He's like, everything was taken away from me. He has um, two young kids that he wasn't able to see. A wife, he, he literally lost everything. And the Lord is bringing everything back to him. But the reason I'm sharing this is because when I, when I read that, how can we be godly men and women in today's radical society and culture? It's like, believe that the Lord is real. You know, believe like this young man that 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 faith that you that your parents like Christian was saying is they've been teaching you and like the scribe and saying and Kira and Eric and the word that you're reading every day, it's real. And young couples are listening to us, you know, stop complaining for little things, you know. We're so blessed and it's okay, like Pastor Jimmy was saying, it's so it's okay to go against the current. You know, it's okay to be different. You wanna be that. We need to stop wasting time, you know, and just um yeah, yeah. I just sorry to get so deep, but I read that question. And it's like, you know, our listeners and the people that are listening to this podcast, you know, they have they have a huge need. You know, sometimes they're, they're in this drying season, and um, they need to hear that. You know, that God is real. God is real. So. You guys want to close? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's our job as parents, to yeah. let our kids see us believing that yeah. God is real. Yeah. So moms, dads, we are cheering you on from the Mom Village yes. podcast. And this is our favorite episode with our husbands here. So can we all sign off together? Yes, very Can manly. we do it like a man, like a man, <laughs> Pastor Christian? All right. One, two, three. Bye. Bye.